Hello. Hi. Hey, everybody. This is Natalie with the Real Recovery Podcast. Welcome. What's up? I'm Michaelis. Nice to see you guys again. Hi, my name is Ushi. Nice to see everyone. And we have our guest Ushi on with us today. So um, welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in so far. Um, and I also want to give a special birthday shout out. This oh, is no, <laughs> you're not going to do it. Come on. You knew that was coming, right? I actually did. I thought I was going to avoid it, but okay. <laughs> you don't, you don't want us to acknowledge your, your no, birthday okay. date. I'm just, I'm just playing. I didn't do anything for it. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. So yeah, today is my 22nd, uh, year of sobriety. So. And I got sober when I was 22, so that's kind of cool, too. Got sober at 22, 22 years clean and sober. Today, July 1st, is when we're doing this recording, so that's awesome. And those of you who have tuned in before know kind of like Michaelis and I's, some of our synchronicities we were just talking about before we started about, you know, I got sober at 22 February 1st, 1999, he got sober at 22, July 1st, 99. So, but of course we didn't know each other until a year or so ago, but yeah, just a cool, fun thing. So Michaelis is awesome, carrying the message, living this work. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's why we're having this podcast ultimately is because of the message from this big book study that we're doing. And so, yeah, I'll just explain a little bit if this is your first time tuning in what this is all about. So this big book study format that Michaelis has been doing for the past 11 years that I've been doing for almost two years now, I've discovered this. It's been a life transformational experience um, in my own recovery process And I'm not the only one. So, you know, you've heard Michaelis and I's stories by now. And so we have a special guest today that is going to also share her own experience. We're going to interview her um, about what her recovery has been like, how this specific big book study that we're doing, you know, how she found it, how she's found it, how, what's happened, what her life is like now as a result of this big book study. So does that cover everything or did I confuse people? I think you did all right. (laughs) I think you did okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find out. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, Ushi already introduced herself. Um, She is uh, a good friend of mine, among other things, we, we work together in this process uh, as well. And um, so... How did you guys meet? Yeah, Bali. question. Bali, Bali. you want to share how we met Ushi? Yeah. Hi, my name is Ushi. I'm an alcoholic. And thanks for having me here. I'm very honored to, um, to be part of your podcast. I met uh, Natalie, I think, about six or seven years ago in Bali. I was living in Kopangan and um, thought I had to change my life and went over to Bali. There was two conventions, ANA convention and Islam convention. And I think I met you in one of them. And we just had a brief interaction. I just remembered you because you got such a beautiful face, you know, expressive. And I just remembered you. (laughs) She does. (laughs) I think she does. And then I think we met at Susan's home. I stayed with Susan um, in the Monkey Forest. And uh, you remember me, you told me from there. I don't remember you from there. I remember you from the the conventions. And then we just lost touch. And then uh, six years forward, uh, I was speaking at a um, WhatsApp women's group. And uh, Natalie wrote to me and she heard that I'd said, I'm sharing a, I'm, I'm sharing a, sharing a big book study in Koh Samui on a Monday. And she connected with me again and said, oh, didn't we meet in Bali, blah, blah, blah. And she offered a big book study. And uh, yeah, that's how we met. Mm. Awesome. Cool. And then how long were you sober when you started the big book study with her? Um, I just had my nine and nine, my last recovery day, sobriety day, was the 4th of February in 2011. And um, I met Natalie. I just had my nine years. And uh, yeah, so I met Natalie when I was nine. I'm going to be nine again, thanks to the book study on Sunday. 
Oh, on Sunday. Oh my God. Yeah. Actually, I would love to, to dive into that since it's happening right now. So I changed my sobriety date as a result of the big book study process. And I shared about that in my episode and Ushi also has her own story with that. Would you like to share about that? What if it's like everyone's just like, oh my God, does this mean that we all have to like change our dates? Is that what it's <laughs> like? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like the book study from hell. <laughs> Everybody doesn't change their sobriety date, but really yeah, funny. I have. I believe, yeah. I believe when you have skeletons in the closet, they will come out. And then, of course, it's up to an individual, you know, but I think it triggered a lot of people when I changed my dates like what, what, what happened uh, the first year and a half of my well, first year first year and a half of my recovery I um well I got sober in Perth when I was three months sober I came to Thailand through circumstances and started my recovery in Phuket and after a year in Phuket I met some people from the Caribbean went over there would be in a dream to work on yachts so I started cooking on private yachts and, um, you know, but uh, the yachting industry, apparently 95% of people relapsed. And because, you know, it's very hard to get to meetings. So the thinking, thinking comes back. And I remember at the time, you know, I had a tooth abscess. So I took some Valium. Then I didn't tell the dentist I was an alcoholic and drunk. Your addict, halo so. is back. Oh, my halo is back. <laughs> I'm lying. Crazy angel. We're Those all wondering. The halo's back because Those of you who my are... recovery date. That was the sign. You know, I'm an angel now. If you can't awesome. see on Zoom, if you're just hearing, she has a filter. Well, it's real, but you can see her halo filter if you're not watching. So that was anyway. Scott talking. That was Scott talking. Now it's gone again, but go ahead. Go ahead. So I was really, you know, I couldn't get to meetings, thinking, thinking came back and I just sort of um, slacked my program, you know, alcohol started looking good again. I served alcohol, I didn't drink, but I played out in other things, you know, I mean, but going to a dentist, having an abscess, not telling him I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. So he gave me something which I found I was Oxycontin, right? But it made me feel good and took the pain away. And someone on the boat, you know, that is Oxycontin. I never heard of it before. And he told me, you know, what it is. And I said, I don't care, you know, because I wanted to feel, I didn't want to feel more. I wanted to, you know, um, cut the uncomfortable feelings out again. And um, so, but I sort of put that under the carpet and I drank alcohol-free beer. I had cough mixture with alcohol in it. It was a slippery, slippery road. And after a couple of years, I just uh, left the, the yachts, yachting business anyway, because I could see I was heading down to a relapse. But anyway, sort of nine years later, when I started working the book with Natalie, and she told me her story, how she came about changing her recovery date. It just hit me like a ton of bricks, you know. And we were not even in the book, which started talking, which started the book. It wasn't even that whole paragraph about, you know, like experimenting, thinking, can you get away with it? But it just came up. And what happened for me, all of a sudden, my serenity was gone. And that's my most precious gift, my serenity. It was just gone. And then it was on, you know, when it's on. <laughs> Should I change my recovery date? Should I not? So I was praying on it. I was putting, I have a God box. I wrote it in the God box. I asked friends. And of course, a lot of, some people said between you and God, which was the best, you know, answers. But of course, some other people say, oh, you didn't drink. That's the main thing. You know, don't be so fanatic. And other people, yeah. So there was a lot of different opinions. And I think it also steers up in people, their own stuff, you know. And um, so I knew in the end was between me and God. I had one older lady who's 30 years in recovery. And she said, I know you well enough, Ushi. If you don't change your recovery day, you will never get peace again. And that freaked me out. <laughs> and she was right. And, you know, and I prayed on it. But it was, you know, it's only a year and a half. It was really when I last had, you know, mind-altering substances. But I still was quite attached to it. And um, so I have this deck of tarot cards. And I asked my higher power, please just give me the answer. Should I change it or not? And I shuffled and shuffled. And there's one card in the deck that says, yes. And that's the card I've really? <laughs> out of 45 cards. And I mean, how can it get more clearer? But the minute I did it that day, I changed my recovery that I announced it. I felt like I felt free again, you know, and I wasn't even aware that. I, I mean, I used to share this at AA meetings and, um, you know, and I used to say, well, I'm not in NA, so I wasn't alcohol. And some people used to look funny at me, but I just ignored it. We so good in denial. But the minute I did it, I really felt free. It was something lifted off my shoulder. And I felt it was something I, I sort of put under the carpet. It was a closet in my, you know, skeleton in my closet. 
and I felt so freeing. And I didn't know the exact date, so I chose the 4th of July Independence Day. That made symbolically sense, yeah. And then I went back. So I had two eights, and I'll have two nines. And eight and nine are my favorite numbers anyway. Eight's the number of abundance, and nine is a very spiritual number in Thai. So, yeah, I'm actually good, you know. I, I got to celebrate both birthdays twice. And, so, uh, yeah, it just was really freeing. I, um, I remember, you know, when I picked that yes card, I mean, mm-hmm. that also really strengthened my face that there's someone there really looking out for me and knowing what's good for me, you know, and I love that. <laughs> so that was a really uh, accelerating experience. Mm. So you changed it to July 4th in a couple of days from now, and you will have how nine, many? Again. nine again. Yeah, so two eights and two nines. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, I love so that. I went a year and a half back, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to go through the book with Natalie? Well, I think what inspired me, I liked Natalie and I liked the courage she had to change her recovery date and the rigorous honesty. I mean, it was huge, you know, going from that time to, to back to a year, whatever it was at the time. And I really admired her for that. And, uh, you know, for me, it's like recover. I came in as a compulsive liar, probably like all of us. And I think you don't go from compulsive liar to rigorous honesty, you know, more but like the peeling of the onion, more with the peel. <laughs> I actually changed my recovery once before when I was two months sober. I came to Thailand and hung out with my sister and her friends. And I actually had a few puffs on a joint. And then I started going to NA when I was five years. And a woman shared, she's been 12 years clean and she had a glass of champagne. Big deal. And she said, they all say I should change my date. What do you think? And I said, well, you did have a drink. Maybe you should change it, you know, being self-righteous. And then it hit me. Oh, my God, I had a joint with two months. So I changed it then already with four years. So that was a little bit more honesty, you know, but um, I think the honesty just grows with the years. And when Natalie shared her story, I think that's what I needed. And I think there's no coincidences, you know, God put me and Natalie together so I could get rid of that old skeleton in the closet. And um, yeah, and just the way she was that honest inspired me. I wanted to work with her because I felt... She's the real deal, you know, like they're so easy. We all know how to talk to talk, but walking the walk by changing your day that much, I was very impressed. And uh, yeah, and uh, that's why I wanted to. Did you feel like anything was missing in the sobriety that you had up until the book study? Yeah, you know, I was was like nine years sober, living on a beautiful island. I had eight sponsees. I, um, when I was five, we started CODA here. So I had quite a few CODA sponsors. I was doing, taking people to the NA steps, the AA steps, the CODA steps. And then I started using the Big Book Awakening, step one, two, and three, because the questions were easy just to give it to the sponsors. You know what I mean? Like, but I had no real recovery and I was grumpy. I was most of the time, I thought I'm living on this beautiful island. I'm sober. I got friends. I sponsor people. You know, I thought I was working a program. I didn't have a sponsor since the, since the, since I was uh, two and a half years sober. So I made up my own rules. And sometimes I was, you know, in, on a small island. Sometimes I was the old timer. And we don't call it old timer. We call it long timer, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like that word old. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, and all of a sudden I think myself righteousness popped up. I was sponsoring a lot of people. I thought, you know, I was not humble anymore. I wasn't teachable anymore. Um, I've got it back into my ego. And I couldn't understand why everyone was annoying the crap out of me. You know, people didn't turn up or people didn't do what I told them to do. <laughs> so I had this whole thing of, you know, if if everyone would just do what I want them to do, I would be happy. That's the space I was in. And that sounds that- so familiar. <laughs> totally. Right. Right. Write that you in know, the book. You know, exactly. And, you know, going to meetings, I judged everyone. I felt judged by everyone. I was totally in my head, you know. And, um, yeah, I had a, I always had a higher, a clo- close to my higher power. And I was practicing my face, I thought. But I was so irritated by people because I didn't really have a focus or program myself. So I did a little bit of everything, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, was, I wasn't a happy camper like the Australians say when I met Natalie. And I always believe when, when God puts someone in front of me, there's a reason, you know. So when she offered it, it was for me a no-brainer, yeah. I hadn't really, I had read the book with other people, but did I really read it, you know what I mean? <laughs> now I'm reading the book with Natalie, like word by word, it's, and often I go, I've never read this before, and I've read the book with so many people. Maybe I was ready, maybe there's a 
when the student is ready, the master comes. That's how it felt. There was time, it was time for a change, and I didn't know what I had to do to find my serenity again, which was not there anymore, you know, or very, yeah, very sporadically, but I got, I got shitty with people all the time, you know, because, yeah, I was, my, uh, one of my biggest defects is self-righteousness, and it was, it was at its best, you know, I was quite flared up again, so I wasn't happy, and um, so I was ready to try anything, and I was impressed by, um, by Natalie's, you know, uh, honesty. Mm. I think um, one of the big things, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, is like this way of working with others is that the kind of the play the come from is a different attitude or from a different space. Yes. So can you share share about that? Because you're talking a lot about like having all these people you're helping, but then feeling like being more in that traditional sponsorship role of, yeah. you know, I'm I'm up yeah. here and the sponsees down there. Yeah. And so I know better. So what's shifted as a result of this work and how you work with others? I think um, one of my favorite things I heard in AA was uh, take the action and surrender to the outcome. used to be my favorite thing, but I didn't live it, right? (laughs) So I took the action, I worked with someone, but I expected the outcome, right? I didn't hand over the outcome. I was not, um, I remember when you were telling me your sponsor is very hands off, you know, like in a way, like he doesn't want to, doesn't get upset when people don't turn up and so on, you know, and for me in the beginning was like, but you know how you make people accountable, you know, and it's like, well, God does that really. And what I think what really hit me that, that I remember when we wrote that the first thing, the sponsor is not to make me dependent on a sponsor, but in all me to become dependent, become dependent upon God. Sorry. A sponsor cannot save him or herself, you know, and that really hit me. And also when we read on page, was it 17? Let me just have a look. Because that really hit me hard too, I think. And then it was a, a very um, slowly process that um, we have no attitude of holier than though, nothing whatever except the sincere desire to be helpful, that there is no fees to pay, no access to ground, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. They're the conditions we have found most effective. And there was another like, you know, like you feel sometimes like a slot machine when you do this work, another penny dropped, you know, and I felt, yeah, that's exactly where, where, where it reminded me of what sponsorship is about. It's just being of service, you know, and I can't save people. God can save people. But I knew all that, but because I wasn't really in the book, I think I just, I went back to my old ways and the way I grew up in Phuket, it was like big book sometimes, was a lot of tough love, which I maybe needed at the time. So I couldn't manipulate. It was all men, you know, older men in Thai, Thai, with their Thai wives. And I always remember walking into a meeting going, this old man with their Thai wives are going to keep me sober. You've got to be choking. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously there was no women in Thailand. There was two women in Phuket. And now in Koh Samui, there is so many here now. And I think God probably put me blocked me to Thailand to to not get distracted by men, I think, first thing. Oh, and really? then also, and also, so there's more women in recovery now. Yeah, so I referred, I went back to the old ways of the self-righteous ways, you know, and I think it happened gradually. First, I was completely your ways, like what, no one is going to be accountable if they don't turn up. And I love that saying, that really hit me home too. I said to Natalie once, um, we talked about what if you rush home and have a four o'clock appointment and then that person doesn't call. And then she asked, she said, I'm going to ask Michaela. And he said, well, do something you love. And that really hit home. It's like, it's not, I have a nine to five job and five children and a husband to feed, you know, I'm single. I live in a beautiful Island. I work for myself. If someone doesn't show up or cancel, what's the big deal? It's just my ego, you know, taking it personal, you know, like they're not shopping up I'm so important they're not showing up for my importance uh, for my meeting so I think yeah I was back in ego and it slowly it trashed my ego slowly by also through logic and reading the book and having this paragraph saying that and I know I can't save people that only only a higher power God can but I just forgotten you know what I mean like the ego took over you know and this has just been a reminder of um yeah, we're all in the same boat. We're all equal, you know. And since then, uh, we've been doing this now almost a year. Uh, I have no attachment. I have people saying they want to do the big book and then I don't hear from them. I don't write even and say, 
I thought you want to do the big book with me. I just don't chase anyone anymore. I'm completely relaxed about it. If they don't turn up, I do some, I hop in the pool or do something else, you know, and that gave me more serenity. I don't have the expectations anymore. So I'm actually now living a little bit like handing over the outcome, you know, and um, that actually gave me freedom, you know, but it took, it took time. I was kicking and screaming in the beginning. I'm not doing it like that. That's, uh, you know, they're newcomers. You have to tell them what to do. You know, they told me what to do. And yeah, now I realize that's not the way because it's just going to upset me. And my serenity is what's really at stake. And if I'm not serene, I'm useless to everyone, you know. But it took time. It took a bit of time. <laughs> so, like, I want to hear actually about, like, the process between how you used to work with people. And so then when you got introduced to Natalie in this process, like how long did it take for you to start implementing this new process in your life? What was that transition like? What I want to, I'm curious about that. Cause I think a lot of people struggle with that. You know? mm, mm. Um, so I think in the beginning, um, when I, when I had the first person I started to work with, this was a person I uh, did the big, we did it in different ways. We did the NS steps together. We did the big book study in different ways. And, um, and we sort of friends, you know, was not someone I, I tried to control anyway or tell what to do. And she totally loved it from day one. And we, we used to laugh a lot. It's like, we never read that. And we read the book together four times, you know. So she was my first person. And, then, and uh, I got to practice with her. Sorry, how long after when you started working, Natalie, did you start working with this woman? Straight away. Like immediately? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I told her, I said, hey, you, I got this new big book study um, and I changed my recovery date and I'm all really excited about it. And then I have another sponsee um, since nine years. She was my very first sponsee and I told her about the big book study and she, I think it's the, when you're excited about something, everyone gets affected by it. So she was straight away in it. And then I had another girl who was in and out of the program for eight years and couldn't stay sober. And I said, Hey, you want to try that? So I became a sponsor. She just celebrated six months and it's completely, and she's got two people herself. She's going to take through the book. And the little successes and um, what actually happened, I can't tell you how, how, when it shifted, but I think I was so excited and happy doing the book that, um, that I was no need to tell someone what to do, you know, because we were just getting together and getting into the solution and the book. And what I actually love about it too, yeah, everyone sort of should have an opportunity to sort of vomit how bad their day is or whatever. Yeah. But then, you know, like after that's done 10 minutes, 15 minutes, then let's get in the book and get into the solution, you know. Because when you first come in, I mean, I'm just another addict alcoholic, you know. I'm not a, I'm not a finance advisor. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a life coach. But all of a sudden, I thought I was, <laughs> you know. But when I'm in the book, the book gives us all the answers, you know. I don't have to come up with answers. And uh, that was really, I think, what shifted that the book, the book gave everyone the answers. So I didn't have to give the answers. So I didn't have to think I've, I'm that person they look up to and want to, not want to hear what to do, you know. And uh, from, from giving people advice also to saying, pray for guidance, stick it in the God books, you know. Where before I used to give more advice. And it's one thing I learned in Coda, don't give advice unless you ask. But when but the, state, the state I was before, I did it anyway. It was just because I wasn't, I wasn't well spiritual, you know. Well, and then taxing. just working. But, huh? It's taxing too, right? To be the advice yeah. giver all the time. And that's when the expectations get tied in. Yeah. And yes, all that yeah. stuff. yes. And I heard you speaking in a meeting and you say, I'm no one's guru. That was another thing that stuck, you know, because it's... Um, yeah, it's so easy to fall back in ego, you know, and this whole program is about getting out of ego and into your heart, you know, and staying humble, you know, and um, yeah, being humble is probably not my favorite space, <laughs> being <laughs> humble and vulnerable, you know, but, um, you know, this the book made me more humble and the book gave a lot of answers to the people. So I wasn't felt I was put on the spot because it's all in there, you know. One of the biggest tweaks, because, I mean, as you've probably heard, and whenever I shared my story, I hated sponsoring. I just hated that word. It felt like so much pressure. I'm not good at it. I don't want to do it. It's too much expectation. You know, the giving advice and worrying and my, it, it's just too much. And then one of the early things when I was working with Michaela's and started working with others was like, 
if because because all this clarity comes all of the Mm -hmm. I just there's so much clarity that's come from this work and it's so it's easier to see things in other not as judgment but it's just we can just see things and so I'm like what do I do if I see something you know how do and and he's like well ask ask a question ask them what do they think about this or and and I just was like oh my god like that just that's such a shift you know, mm. taking the ego out of it and, oh, I know what you need or I know what's best. Mm. Like, just ask a question. Mm. I think before it was more like reading the book with someone and then interpret it, in, interpret, I can't even say the word, mm-hmm. interpreting my version of what I thought it's about. And now I feel I don't do that anymore. I just sort of read the book and then I don't know what it is now, but it's just because of the highlight and the... um the underlining, you know, and the way you pass it on and you pass it on to people, then the book explains itself, you know. I don't have to put my two cents in it and maybe <laughs> just give my opinion. It might be completely wrong anyway or not, you know, not. It's just my wisdom now. I'm feeling it's the book wisdom that talks. That really what I think changed for me, you know. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, gradually, gradually all that happened. And, and of course, working with other people, you know, it's very different when someone takes you through it. But when I started taking people through it, it's a whole nother level of understanding, I find, you know, like then repeating or explaining what, you know, what you told me to someone else. And everyone says that when they work with others and all of the people I am, um, not all, two of them are working with other people as well straight away. And they're working with other people as well, you know, and everyone loves it. And you know what I love about it the most? It's so simple. I've she done so many four steps with 20 sheets on the internet, download, how to force that complicate. Ah, <laughs> oh, six and seven, oh God, use the 12 and 12, there's nothing in there. I mean, I'm only on five at the moment in there. But you know, how to do the first, the, the, the first step, you know, just by, by writing your experience you relate to, to build story, and you know what I mean? And it's just simple and it's just by the book. I remember I was in um, I was in Boston in this newcomer meeting, or two hundred people, and that guy said, "Whatever you do with the big book, don't get creative. It works as it is, right?" And that always stuck with me. And I thought over the years I got creative, you know, like, "Oh, there's not enough in it. I have to have side bits on it." And I like simple. I'm learning more and more. Recovery simple is best, you know. So I can just stick by the book, and it's really simple. We do it how it's done, and then whatever opinion people have, it's theirs. I love to set aside prayer and um, I wanted to change that straight away. Shouldn't that be with you, God? And, and Natalie said, no, no, it's called the set aside prayer for a reason. <laughs> take away prayer. The take, take away prayer. Why? See, I'm already changing it to set aside. I well, love set aside prayer. <laughs> what yeah? do you say about it? About um, take away versus set aside? I don't really say anything about it. <laughs> I just call <laughs> direction. I don't call really anything. It's just a prayer that i say before i read the book with somebody yeah okay because one time you told me like you don't want god you don't want it set aside because that implies you'll just you can take it right back but if you say take away that means like take it away well that's true i guess i meant like i don't i don't label it like i don't call it a name it just is what it is it's basically saying stay open stay open to new experiences right that's how i that's how i got it Mm. yeah that prayer is quite sticky i mean i i totally jazzed it up myself you know but i was also watching the videos and just doing it by myself at that time but it was hilarious i'd say the prayer and then like natalie would say a prayer but it would be like this epic you know like five minute dissertation prayer of like set assigning all these different things i was like (laughs) all right you know (laughs) one day he was like why do you say that I'm like oh well this is the prayer and he's like uh no it's not and I'm like oh well yeah but it was like that set aside prayer and I like the set aside prayer so I made it into what I like and he's you know you were just like okay but that's not the prayer from the book I'm like oh so I changed it then I went back to every single person and it was like, you know, 13 people. I had to go be humble and say, hey, I passed the prayer on. I mean, it wasn't, but I love how we're not like rigid about it either. You weren't like, bah. it was just like, well, it just, that's not what it was. 
change it. I mean, it's just, you know, that lack of control and that, that we're talking about here with Ushi. Yeah, totally. My buddy Marcy, who will probably be on this show at some point too, because he's hilarious. He passed on uh, a new experience with you, not just an experience with you. And so literally everyone in Bali has that too now. So it's really funny. That's reading this part um, in the four of the second edition, right? So Bill just meets with Bob and he tells him basically Dr. Silkworth's like uh, conception of the disease of alcoholism. And then what Bob does is he begins to pursue the spiritual remedy with a willingness he'd never before been able to muster. And it was really just because he finally got the information about what his deal was and why he was doing that stuff. Cause he was already introduced to the Oxford group. He knew about the design for living and all that stuff. I needed a relationship with God, but it didn't like come together and make sense. Right. So I kind of applied that to when I was finally introduced to the circle and triangle, even though I had been in Alcoholics Anonymous for a while and knew the concept of like, you can't keep what you have unless you give it away and why I need to go to meetings and all that stuff like that. Like it never really clicked until in this process, it was explained to me in that way. And because it was explained with me and I like had that intention of why I'm working with people today, which is to connect to God. I actually had the experience of connecting to God through that process. And I'm wondering if anything like that happened for you, where just getting this sort of, you know, spiritual awakening knowledge kind of made certain things click for you and allowed you to have an experience with them that was different from what you were doing before. Mm. I think maybe before I was playing God. <laughs> yes. <I don't laughs> <know. laughs> to sum it up in a nutshell, you know, and, um, you know, when you play God, then you sort of, I like that saying, you close down from the sunlight of the spirit and then God, God has no room in there. You know, it's probably, God's probably around, but you know, I was, I was, um, yeah, I was uh, being controlling and, um, yeah, well, well, I think once I stopped playing God again, then God, God could come in more, you know, it was not me, um, me thinking I have to tell people what to do and me thinking I have all the answers, you know, and, um, um, no one's doing it right but me. And um, once all that stuff was gone, then I could have, you know, a um, yeah experience. It was like an awakening. Oh, I'm actually not in charge. What a relief. I knew that, but I've forgotten, you know. And once I was not in charge anymore, my life became sweet again, you know. <laughs> like a minute, I, you know, we say expectations is a resentment under constructions. And I was living my life full of expectations Thinking, playing God and thinking people people need me to tell them what to do. And once I dropped that, and I did see that in that, what you mean about the the triangle, right? Um, I did some of it, but um, I mean, I did, the, I did the service, yeah. But the service, you know, I used to have this thing, I'm doing people a favor by working with them. That's what I used to believe, you know. They, they can be lucky that I work with them or, you know, I take the time out to work with them. Um, why they're not grateful, you know, instead of the change, the real change for me happened. That's probably was another awakening was like, I'm working with others to keep me sober. Totally. And I completely forgotten that. That was just not in my, in my thinking anymore. You know, I'm doing you a favor when I do the, when I do the steps with you, not you keep me sober by, by working together. They're and doing that you a favor, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're your blessing, actually. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. And that was just not out completely. And when I first came in and I had my first sponsor and, you know, I, I, I knew all these things. But over time, it's just circumstances, not working with a sponsor, not really probably being in the book, you know, and then doing the other fellowships as well. It was very watered down. I used to think AA doesn't give me enough. I need Coda. And I love Coda. It's a great program. But... I'm foremost, I'm an alcoholic and an addict, you know. Yes, of course, I'm codependent. But that was really like, um, I thought AA is not giving me enough. People don't talk about emotions. It's not deep enough. And I don't have that anymore at all since working the book. I, I, everything I need, I get from this book now. I don't even go to Coda anymore. <laughs> you know, other fellowships. It's just, this is just giving me everything I need. But there was that shift of, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing everyone, anyone a favor by working with them. Um, I'm just being of service, you know. I got back in that how it's now I say every day again. Oh, since I wrote the book, actually, I say again, how can I be of service today? And I didn't say that anymore. Mm. It's more like, don't send me sponsors who piss me off. 
<laughs> I have a question. So you said you're working with a number of people and a couple of them are taking others through the process as well. Yeah. How do you see, I mean, do you see a difference in the people that are working with others versus the ones that you're just taking them through and they're not helping others? Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There is, there is that, um, I don't know how to explain it into words. When you learn something, but you don't pass it on, it just stays with you. And I think the growth happens when you actually pass it on. I don't know how that works or why it works. but And that also that feeling that, 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 that makes you feel good when you sort of pass something on and then the other person gets something out of it. Not because out of ego saying, oh, look at me, I've passed this on when you see the light in their face and how much serenity they have by actually passing it on to someone else. Like that girl who's six months sober when in the beginning when she was four. And I said, oh, in the beginning, I said, find someone. Oh, no, I'm far too shy. I can't do that. And then she come up with two people. And she's so excited about it, you know. That's completely changed her recovery by having someone else to pass it through because we all think, especially in early recovery, we've got nothing to say or we're insecure, we're shy. But if we stick by the book and just pass on what's what's been passed on to us, you know, you don't have to be Einstein. You can just pass it on as it was passed on to you. So that whole fear of fucking it up or doing something wrong just disappears, you know. But there's definitely, I think, people who pass it on have a much higher level of serenity. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that, you know how when you see someone else's, um, you know, light comes on when you work with them in the book because it's really so many pennies dropped, you know. And I really feel like I'm reading it for the first time. It's really bizarre. And I've read this many times, but I was just not not that presence. I didn't have that presence. And maybe I wasn't ready before, but then I read it with someone that's sick four months over, you know. And um, and what's the nice thing with her, she just couldn't stay sober. And something just clicked with the book. We were on step two. And how's that for a God job? She's moving back to, to the UK and she really wanted this apartment um, for her and her daughter, but there was 30 people or whatever applied for the apartment. And she said, I'm never going to get it. And then the next day she said, oh, my dad knows the real estate agent. And I felt she's going to get it. I said, you get it. No, I won't get it. So many other people. And we were doing step two and she got an email. She got the apartment. <laughs> so she came to believe in that moment, you know, like uh, it was such a God job, such, such a sign of, you know, you're doing step two, you know, you come to believe there's a power greater than yourself and bang, you got, you know, that thing that was perfect for you in your life. And uh, yeah, that's how she came to believe. And um, yeah, so, um, so even someone that knew and what I love about this program too, you know, like I had, I had almost I had a bit like nine years. I feel like a newcomer again. That's really how it made me feel, you know, but it can work with newcomers or people you know, done around for a few years as well. It's just, it's a new experience, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me that people who are not passing it on don't really get the benefits out of it because if you don't pass on the big book, it just becomes another self-help book, you know, mm. which is essentially mm. just another book that's giving you self-knowledge. You know, yeah. you might have all these spiritual awakenings, yes. but yes. you don't actually have an experience with the solution, Right. Yeah. And our problem is rooted in self, you know, so it's self-centered thinking. It it's thinking about, you know, how the world is affecting us, how the world is perceiving us. It's being in fear of all those things. It's la living in like self-pity. Then the only solution for us is to get out of self. Mm. And the book, besides the text and what's actually in it, like the real magic of it is the practicing using it to get out of self. So yeah, without that yeah. element, you actually don't heal what's wrong with you, right? Mm, mm, you just mm. learn stuff and then get frustrated mm. that you can't or don't have the power to apply the stuff you learned in your life consistently, which creates more feelings of failure and defeat, mm. right? So mm. without mm. that component of actually using it to help others, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, and when I talk, when I listen, I'm still a little bit in self, even if it's, you know, letting things in, but I feel when I talk, when I'm the one passing on and talking, I get out of self. You know what I mean? Totally. But when I'm, when I'm the one receiving it, I'm still processing it in self, which is great. I suppose that's the first step. But then when you pass it on, I don't think about myself. 
<laughs> it's a nice relief, you know. That's that's my experience because you just pass on, you pass on, you know, the wisdom of the book, and um, yeah. So there's no room to think about me at the same time. <laughs> what a relief that is, right? <laughs> I think it's important too. Um, I did work with somebody once. It was so funny because I mean, if you if you work with people who have been around, likely they've done a big book study or they know the book. But so I started working with this woman. She had 10 years and I I go to show her the symbol and she's like, oh, I've already got this in here. I'm like, oh my God, she already knows this book study. She already knows the symbol. Like, ah, what am I going to do with her? It's like, well, you can still do it. It doesn't matter. But her symbol, the serve. So for those of you listening that, that don't know, you know, we, the AA symbol, we, we break down the program using the symbol just very quickly, but it's a, you know, unity service and recovery is on the circle. And the way we break it down is, you know, we heal the body. Um, <laughs> wait, what am I saying? I, <laughs> Body, spirit, mind. Body, mind, and spirit. But the point is, is that in her symbol, we have it that it's 12th step work. Very specifically, that is the service that we're talking about here. Her symbol said sponsorship. And I was kind of like, oh, well, that's not what we are talking. We're talking about 12th step work, taking other people through this book study process. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we've got the purest form of that. And I feel like, you know, and and I was one of these that thought, oh, service, well, I'm chairing the meeting. I have a service position. I make coffee. I'm sponsoring. That's not what we are doing here. I think what we do is so much more powerful. So I, I like to make that distinction because people will, say and think they're in service, but it doesn't give that benefit. I don't know if you guys have anything on that. Well, yeah. I mean, like when I'm taking a commitment at a meeting, being of service, I'm not in the book. So I'm not treating my mind. I'm just treating mm-hmm. my body and maybe I'm treating my spirit, but without that mind component, right. Which I only get from being in the book, then my mind can start lying to me about the service, which means I can start getting resentful. I can start getting expectations People are not showing the gratitude that I deserve. People are not appreciating me. Like, why are they getting these opportunities in their life? I'm doing all this service, right? Because mm-hmm. this thing, this mind thing is always running and it's creating all these stories. And so if I don't like actually do something to treat that part of me, which is only going to be in the book, that's where the recovery mm-hmm. is found, then the service can easily turn into something that I am resentful for. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, I'm feeling it's bogging me down. So, you know, that's why sponsorship as it is today, where people are, like you said, we're like being people's therapists, where it's all coming from here and the ego and the pride is driving it. You know, I'm not in the book. So yeah, I might be helping that person and I might be in front of another alcoholic. So again, there's that spirit body component, but I'm missing the mind component. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. only happens in full circle of taking people through the book where Mm -hmm. I get to actually treat myself while working with someone else and helping them mm-hmm. see something mm-hmm. too, you know? What, what, I, what I, to that, what I like, I mean, you know, the book says nothing ensures us as much immunity from staying sober than working with others. And I was brought up or been around, you had to do the 12 step first before you could help someone else. Right. You know, and what I love about this process is I can do one session with Natalie, I can be a newcomer and I can take someone through that one session straight away. And I love that. And like I said, that girl who was only four months sober, so six months sober, taking someone through. It's like, don't I have to do the 12 steps first? And that's what I was told. Do the 12 steps before you can sponsor someone. And with this one, you actually go straight into 12 step. You don't even need to do the 12 step work because you're in it already. You know, and that that gives you also a feeling of that we're all equal. It's not like, oh, done the 12 steps. Now I can sponsor people. And that separates you already, you know. But if someone with four months can take someone through that whatever has whatever the time really doesn't matter. It's timeless the program, and I really love that that anyone can take anyone through. It doesn't matter of times or if they've done the steps or whatever, as long as they're sober, you know. And that's that's the first time I've experienced something like that. And I think it's it's exactly what the book's about: working with others, and you don't have to drink again. You know, it's very simple, really. Yeah, totally. Mm. And I mean, you know, once you get to like let's say the ninth step promises, right? And you actually break those down and read them. 
you can't really experience those promises unless you've been working with people the entire time that you've been getting to there in the first place. Because yeah. selfishness and self-seeking doesn't just slip away unless you're practicing selflessness, right? Mm. You don't get to see how your liabilities become your assets unless you've been working with people and talking about the struggles that you've been through to use those things to help others, right? Mm. So helping others is really like what even makes any of these processes, I mean, these promises possible. So, you know, this idea of like, you can't help anyone until you've gotten through all 12 steps or until you've had this amount of time sober is because of this sort of nouveau idea of sponsorship where you're essentially someone's life coach and the director of their problems, you know? So it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to call somebody with three days of sobriety to figure out how to handle my, you know, relationship stuff in my (laughs) life, but you know, if they have three pages of the book that I've never seen before and a way to break it down for me that I've never heard before. Yeah. You know, and again, like you said, they can't fuck that up. There's a book, yeah. the book's there. It's not their message. It's the book message. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, that's what I love about this thing too, is it gets people mm-hmm. healing immediately, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you stay straight away in the solution, you know? Totally. Yeah. Getting out of self. Sweet. Yeah. I remember when I was two months sober, I was in Perth, I went to this meeting and, you know, some things just stuck with you. And this woman was saying, you know, she went to Mecca, she went to the pyramids. She was looking for the answers for the spirituality everywhere all her life. And she said, but everything I need to know is in this book. And it always stuck with me, but I, I never sort of believed it, you know, so there must be more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like all of us, you know, we come and we have all these other books open every, you know, 10 books at the go. But now for me, it's just like, yeah, now that's, and I believe that too. That's why I looked in other programs to find solutions. But everything I need, you know, everything I need to stay sober and to heal um, is in this book. Yeah. And um, so nice to just have one book again. Oh, <laughs> so good and simple for sure. Simple, yeah. Easy does it, huh? That's that's a hard one for me. Easy does it. I want to complicate everything. If it's that easy, it can't be good, you know, but I'm learning that as well. That's another lesson I learned from this book. Keep it simple. Easy does it, you know, and that's such a relief because we all have crazy minds, you know. If I can keep big book study simple, that sort of simplifies my life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I think anything, anyone have anything else? No, I think I've said everything. Oh, one more thing. One more thing that Ah. really also hit home, that one more thing when we wrote that down. Um, I have to swallow my bride before my bride swallows me. No, it's it's God, please bury my pride. Bury my pride before my bride (laughs) bury me. You have to swallow here, okay? Come on, (laughs) slow down. The Me Too movement is still fresh. Let's chill it's out. Your okay. Come on. Come on. I'm the guy here. I'm feeling uncomfortable. You know? Jesus. Well, I, I had to say that because I didn't want Michaela's thinking I'm passing it on wrong either. <laughs> um, I didn't read it because it was, yeah, yeah, here it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's saying, I know. Right? That was, that was my back, pride. <laughs> that was back in pride, and um, yeah, it was swallowing me up. <laughs> right on. Yeah, that was that was a good moment of um, of like, aha, that's what's been happening to me because the opposite of humility is pride, right? So I knew I was in pride, not in humility, you know. And um, working with, working doing this big book study got me back in humility. You know, some days more, some days, you know, less, but <laughs> I want, you know, perfectly imperfect work in progress. So, yeah. yeah. It was cool to like, look at the many facets of pride too, because it really infects all areas of our life, you know, whether it's the low self-esteem or the arrogance, you know, either we think that, you know, we are above the solution, so we don't need it, or we think that we're too fucked up for the solution to work for us, you know, yeah. but either way it's, Pride is the great mind closer. Yes. You know? And so, mm. yeah. Yeah. When I got to see like how pride was burying me, I truthfully, when I heard that the first time I was saying that prayer all throughout the day, mm. you know, it was really mm. saving my ass. So yeah, it was mm. an eye opening moment for me too. Mm. Cool. Even if I stuffed it up. <laughs> I'm glad you know what I meant. <laughs> yeah. 
I let Natalie correct you. I don't have pride. Okay, about that's correct. <laughs> that was totally. I wrote video. it down right. But it was so funny though. It was, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing I love. We laugh a lot when we do big book study. You know, with everyone I do, we laugh. You know, we laugh about ourselves. I feel I I didn't laugh a lot before I started the big book study again. Everything I was in my head and very serious, full of expectations, self righteousness, and uh, yeah. And now I can laugh again because. You know, that um, um, serenity gives you uh, lightness, the lightness again. You know, when you're serene, then everything just flows and everything is beautiful and easy and not hard. It's not like pushing shit uphill. <laughs> it's no Australian saying, you know, before I felt everything was like pushing shit uphill and now everything flows again. That's probably what sums it up for me, how I feel now. Mm. Right on. All right, cool. Awesome. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your willingness and your example and for being with us here. This was awesome fun. So thanks for having me. I absolutely enjoyed it. It was a yeah, it was a good having a laugh with you guys. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Thank you so much more. for coming. We really appreciate it. And thanks for doing the work and having an experience with it. You know, it's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Well happy birthday again, Michaela. Yeah. So happy to do this with you today and yeah, we'll see everybody next time on the AA Real Recovery Podcast, The Big Book Solution. We do have a website. Uh, It's wherever you found this, the website will be there. You can click on it. We're on the internet. You can find out where and all that good stuff to follow, subscribe, rate, do all of the things to help us get this message out so we can help more people because that's what it's all about. Sweet. Thanks, Natalie. So, Thanks, Alice. <laughs> thank you, guys. That's a love. Bye, right. everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.